I didn't hit play. Okay. Welcome to Practical Rambling Fathers. This is Father Brian. This is Father Tay. <clears throat> and thank you so much for joining into our Lenten series. Uh, for this today's topic, we'll be talking about the third temptation. And so if you've been following along in the Gospel of Luke, in chapters 4, verses 9 through 13, this is the last of the temptations. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for our time. <clears throat> Feel free to pause this podcast, especially <clears throat> in uh, jotting down your, note, uh, your notes about this pa- passage. What words stuck out to you from this temptation? What questions do you have? And what are your initial thoughts and reactions and feelings towards this passage? This is a good practice to get into is because <clears throat> through these Lenten series, what we are hoping and praying for is that when you listen to the Word of God, it won't just be a passive action like through osmosis. It's really you asking and submitting yourself to God saying, Hey God, what are you trying to teach me from this passage? Right? What things do I need to change in my own lives upon hearing uh, this particular gospel? This is probably the hardest temptation to talk about because no one wants to talk about it, right? Pride and vainglory, right? Because in our faith, no one wants to be that prideful person where it always seems to be a competition, right? You, when, as soon as you talk about something, you know, we all know those people, right? They have to one-up our story or they have to tell it funnier than others, right? Or whatever the scenario is. Or sometimes when the Lord is challenging us and saying, Hey, there's some things in your own life that I'm asking you to, sur- to surrender. right? And more often than that, we often think of us not surrendering as being stubborn. But that, that could also be a small uh, form of pride too as well. But before we get into uh, too deep with this conversation, let's just set the parameters. What does pride mean? Right? And so I took this definition from a Catholic website called NewAdvent.org. And they define pride as excessive love of one's own excellence. Once more, pride is an excessive love of one's own excellence. Another way of saying it is I'm the source of my own good. So I take pride in the fact that I am good and what I do is good because I'm the one that did it. Exactly. Which sounds true in some sense it is. Uh, but humility is the virtue of saying, yes, I do good and yes, I am meek, but I'm humble, meaning I recognize that my goodness, whatever it is in me, mm-hmm. other than my sin comes from God. Um so because of that, there's a recognition and a gratitude of heart that comes about in humility that 
doesn't come about in pride because, mm-hmm. as C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, pride is a lonely place to be because mm-hmm. you're looking down on everyone else. Whereas humility, like St. Paul says, think every man better than yourself, is a spirit of servitude. And so not only are we looking up at everyone, but we look even up past everyone to God. God. So we're actually seeing God in all things. And um, we can forgive others and do anything, basically, um, because we see God beyond. Versus pride is always looking down. And that's a lonely place to be, which is why the devil chose to serve himself. It's why hell is one of the loneliest, saddest places there is. Yep. Because it's it's out of pride, so he's alone. Mm -hmm. Even though people are, even though angels fell with him. And then, but he only... Yeah, that's never true communion. But the sin was actually envy and coming to battle with us. But that utter sadness towards other ones, another's good, which is our good, which is eternal life for us. So Mm -hmm. he's envious of that. But... Sidetrack, go back. No worries. Um, and so, if that is the definition of pride, who in the right mind will want, you know, to suffer from this, right? Um, that's where vainglory steps in, right? Because it's all about the appearance, right? It's all about the image. Like we Sometimes, you know, when, when we talk about peer pressure in society or being self-conscious, those are good things. But vainglory is saying, I'm self-conscious because... I want to always be, you know, that person that everyone talks about in a good way, right? I want to be popular. I want everyone to, you know, acknowledge my achievements, right? To be a center of attention, um, right? To to have people fawn over us, all those things, right? And so vainglory, um, it's 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 very enticing, right? Once once people begin to notice our worth, we can't help but feel good. And so, but if we if that's all our life's all about, gaining uh, people's acceptance then we're going to be in a very lonely spot. And so that's why pride and vainglory go together. Um, vainglory helps fuel the person to be more prideful, and so they don't want to reach out um, to others. Vainglory is my concern of how I look in reference towards others. Mm-hmm. Pride is an internal disposition, like they were saying. Yeah. Um, vainglory is uh, my worth yep. comes from my external appearance of what others are doing. So mm-hmm. how this can easy, even easily come about mm-hmm. um, in our own works of even charity is yeah. like yeah. we're doing this good, we're serving these people, yeah. and uh, we're taking a picture of us doing it and putting yeah. it on social media because then I am recognized by everyone else Correct. as doing this good deed. Do it in secret, right? Don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. So, Correct. like, your file repair you in secret. Yep. Right. So, like, the whole entire disposition is my vainglory attacks us in a different way because it's the outer appearance. Which the social media, I mean, vainglory is where it's at. It's not pride. It's vainglory. It's yep. how I'm appearing to everyone else. I mean, yep. Your Having Instagram reality, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your Instagram reality versus actual reality, right? Yep. Your Instagram reality is vainglory, essentially. Yes. Um, could be at least, um, and your actual reality is probably more humble. Um, than your outward uh, appearance to the rest of the world. So, yeah. so humility attracts us, and I feel like that's where culturally we're at. We're more at vainglory than yep. we're at pride. Exactly. Until you get into the intellectual pride, and then mm. that's a whole entire different thing, which we'll get into. Correct. Yeah. I, 
uh, one thing that you said, Father, I liked is right. You will see how it permeates in our life, right? Instagram is all uh, making the perfect life, um, and that, and that's and that's scary to this because there's no integration, right? So you you create this perfect virtual reality that everyone takes it as truth, but in the opposite, you could be a totally different person, right? So that's not good. That's not good either. Um, so one of the toughest things about pride is it it, it it's, it has tentacles everywhere, right? There's a spiritual pride. Meaning, <clears throat> sometimes it's hard for us to accept our faults, and sometimes it's hard for us to receive God's love, or sometimes even hard to um, listen to God's voice when He challenges us to become holier and to become more humble. Just going into intellectual pride. Yeah. Um, yeah. So something that happened in our history is what we call the Enlightenment yes. and the Industrial Revolution yep. and all these different things. Um, especially the Enlightenment, I don't feel like we're super enlightened. Mm -mm. But uh, I don't know that that's exactly what happened with Enlightenment. But um, humanity as a historical viewpoint um, has always wondered and been uh, captivated by the beyond, captivated by different spiritualities and in the ancient days, right, they they had many gods, demons, uh, they knew of the beyond. So we were on one side of, um, you know, superstition, of idolatry, of all of those different things that we were obsessed as as a human creature. And then we came through the ages, we hit Christendoms with um, Charlemagne, uh, and had Christendom for a few, uh, for a century or two. Mm. And then we swung the pendulum all the way to this extreme that intellectual pride takes mm. over. And it's science is the only way of knowing truth. And um, anything else, there's not, there's not ethical truth. Yep. There's not um, Morality. person truth. There's not... Um, any other truths other than what can be quantified in science, which obviously science is true. Um, not negating that, but um, God is not threatened by by our puny little minds trying to figure out how the world works, Correct. or by how DNA works, or by how airplanes work, or whatever. You know, obviously, he gave us an intellect to use all that thing, but it's all has to be under the the presumption that there is something um, quantifiable in the first place, which, namely God, and that there's principles that with God being the one that intellectually captivated reality that we know, like, it makes sense so that we have all those other sciences. And so mm -hmm. the spiritual pride comes in, or the intellectual yep. pride comes in of... Yeah. Um, I can't even be humble enough to say there's a power beyond me. Exactly. Right? Or That's there's something I don't understand. <clears throat> um, mm -hmm. There's something about life that I don't get. There's something in my life that I'd rather not have there, but it's there, and I want to deny it, and I do all sorts of things to deny it, instead of just being humble and saying, I, I don't yeah. get it, but yeah. uh, Lord help me to understand it, and the Lord does, because there is truth beyond just the spirit, or the intellectual truths are um, there. So we kind of, as a human race, have kind of swung the pendulum to an extreme, and that extreme is starting to snap yep. um, the world as it is. And so we'll become, <laughs> we'll hit a wall eventually. Yep. pendulum only goes so high mm -hmm. um, before it'll come crashing down and hit momentum, mm -hmm. and we'll 
probably end up on the other side in another 2,000 years if we're still around. Mm -hmm. But yeah. um, So we've kind of given you some concrete examples how pride can have its tentacles in all of our lives. How does that fit into the third temptation, right? One of the uh, biblical commentators speaks about Luke's gospel in that a lot of Jesus' ministry and his triumph was in the temple. It began in the temple, and then it kind of ends in the temple, too, of this victorious over temptation, especially in this area. And how was Jesus victorious? It was through his humility. God rewards Jesus, and so instead of, you know, a tragic end, let's say, you know, of Jesus falling to this last temptation, falling from the parapet, and then that's the end of the story. No. Jesus once again submits himself to the will of the Father at each and every temptation. Notice, he doesn't say I, or he doesn't say my Father, right? He only responds with the necessary words, which is the very important thing to notice. He, did, he never says, I do this, or, you know, the Lord God told me to say this. All he said was, it is written. He trusts in the power of his Father's promises. Scripture writes, man shall not live on bread alone. As it is written, you shall not have any Lord... You shall not have any other gods before you. And the last one he, he speaks about today is, For it is written, uh, no, he says to, to the devil, It also says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Boom, that's humility. He submits himself and says only what needs to be said, and then, and then, he, moves, and then he moves on. So we can follow Jesus' example in that he often prays before he does anything, Right? For example, if you look at some of the gospel, when he does these big, beautiful miracles of feeding hundreds of people or thousands of people and these healings, what's the next thing that he does? He tells his disciples, hey, come with me. Let's rest for a while. Or, hey, get the boat ready. I've called to go to other places. He never stays in a place long enough to receive recognition because that's not what he's about. He's not about to get praises. He, in fact, he even says, I thank you, Father, for you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and you revealed them to the childlike. That's a huge, bold statement. And that's why the cross is a stumbling block for most people. If, if God is the Son of God, why does he need to suffer? Right? And this is where it clashes with pride and vainglory uh, in some parts of our faith, because it asks for a simple Humble surrender. Like, I may not understand, but I know God's asking me to be faithful. And that's all I can count on. Right? Right. I don't have any grand explanation. Not successful. Yeah. Just faithful. Yeah. And I think this is where I feel saddened by our societies because people write off God when he's asking them in this most blessed time, but difficult time of prayer. You know, he's not punishing you when he's asking you to be faithful when all these bad things are happening. He's asking you to surrender because it's an opportunity to let go of pride and love Jesus through the humility when no one else has done it, right? Right. I mean, we can even look at the scourging of the pillar, right? Mm. Jesus is the mystery of inner peace while yeah. you're being beaten, right? Mm -hmm. While you're the Son of God being beaten, still having a disposition of my heart is ready, O oh Lord, my heart is ready. Mm. So even in our own mm. struggle, in our own suffering, whatever it may be, to focus in on Jesus' willingness to be beaten to death. Yeah. Um, but still his ability to have that inner peace being led to the slaughter without saying a word, not returning insults, all those different things that yeah. the Lord shows us in his own self. He ends, 
he ends our human mm-hmm. uh, struggle. The inability that we have to forgive. Yeah. The inability that we have to let things go yep. in some in in a healthy sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he ends the um, he ends the level of brutality that we have towards each other by just owning it himself. That's good because if you look at the um, if you look at the if you look at the, the gospel passage that I just read, when the devil sees that he can't win against Jesus. This verse 13, when the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. This is where we have, we, we have to rely on Mark's gospel, right? Take up your cross and follow Jesus. It's not a one and done, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm a very logical guy. And, so <laughs> and it's easier in life if it just we go through one sacrifice, one suffering, and let it come for the rest of our lives, right? Life does not work that way, right? And so Jesus is showing to us, temptations will come over and over again. We should not fall into kind of this pit of like despair or, or, or helplessness. Because when I was reading through the church fathers from the writing of this monk, St. John Cassian, he writes about how like, you know, a lot of these other sins, you kind of need two or more people to be with you. For example, slander. You can't just slander people on your own. You kind of have, you kind of have to have a scoop of someone else and tell it to someone else, right? He said, not with pride. You could be in your own inner room, and these prideful thoughts will come like, well, for example, look at you, making such great strides, being holier than your pagan friends, right? <laughs> you're praying, you're going to Mass, you're doing all these things, and it's very easy to get, to get caught up in those things, and like, Lord, if pride's everywhere in my life, how do I... How do I defeat this, right? Once again, it's that humility. Uh, just that simple step of saying, I can't do this without the grace of God. Well, realize it's the grace of God doing it in you, or else yeah. you'd be a pagan too. Yeah, like, exactly. Honestly, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, look at what I'm... Dude, the only thing you're doing, the only thing that I'm doing is sinning. That's the only thing that's mine. Everything else... Is God's grace, like yeah, like and He even wants my sin. So even that's humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, even that's a mm-hmm. place of gratitude too in our hearts. Of even the Lord wants and does take my sin upon Himself mm. and wants to forgive me and give me that liberty in Him, that yeah. peace and that calm of knowing that I'm forgiving and I can trust all of my yeah. thoughts, feelings, desires to Him and know that He'll give me a sense of His peace. Yeah. So, I'm glad you mentioned about yeah about that piece too. As we're kind of closing out, you know, pr- pride and vain glory will always get us agitated. Like you know, because we, we we're never satisfied with the vain glory of social media. Like as soon as someone posts a new story and they get more likes than us, we're never at peace because we're always concerned about what others are thinking. But the humility is the gift of of our interior freedom. God has given us the gift for today, right? What has happened in the past has already happened. We can't control the future, nor do we know the outcome. But what we do know is God is with us here in this moment. And with it, we have this opportunity to be at peace or continue to be consumed by these worries and anxieties of the world. I speak this out of, out of you know uh, experience because I'm a perfectionist. I'm always worried about things I can't control and all these other things. 
So how do, you know, so I've been praying a lot with this. How do, how do we get this peace, right? Kind of what Father Brian was hinting at, the surrender. Dear Lord, I give you this scenario that's happening in my parish or my priesthood. I, I, have, I have no clue what to do. Right. Into your hands, Lord. I commend my spirit. I have faith that you will take care of it because I am nothing. Right, And it takes a lot of courage and humility to be able to accept that. And that's why we have wonderful saints of St. Teresa of the Sioux. Very practical, right? The little way. I'm not called to do big things. I'm called to love you, Lord, in all the things that I do for today. Right. So if I'm talking, speaking, all these other things. And I could go on and on and on, but so this is so another practical step. Or also the rules of St. Ignatius too. When things are going well in our own lives, it's easy to be prideful. And so St. Ignatius talks about rule number four, spiritual consolation. We should be thankful for God that he's giving us this time of reprieve and consolation. But we should also ready ourselves for saying, God has blessed me, but life can change. Help me to be able to accept the good things and bad things too as well as we see from the book of Job. And also the rule number five, right? Don't make any rash decisions um, when we are in desolation, right? So when we get prideful or, or the vainglory, it often makes us, drives us to do drastic changes. But God's not asking us to be successful. He's, ask, he's asking us to be faithful, right? So don't cave into this fear of it's all hopeless. You know, my life isn't perfect. All these other streamers and Twitch Right, all these social media platforms. I don't know what kids are using them nowadays. So you can go on and on, but the, the bottom line is, how are we going to surrender to God and His infinite goodness? Um, we do have a podcast on humility that we kind of break down, and um, the book that I constantly am trying to get people to read is um, "Humility: The Wellspring of Virtue" by Ooh. Von Hildebrand. Who is it by? Or is it from Balthazar? It's from Von Balthazar. Let me look it up. Bear with us. Yeah, it's even in my Dropbox. Uh, it's not my Dropbox. Uh, it's yeah, it's Von Von Hill. Dietrich Van Hildebrand. Ooh, nice. Is who it's by. So we'll put a link to that too in our podcast. Yeah, it's linked elsewhere, but it's 122 pages, short little book, but it describes. Um, what pride is, what vainglory is, what humility actually is, and makes it actually sound appealing to our broken humanity to actually want to be more humble than anything else. Because um, he also goes kind of through what the fruit of being humble would be. Wellspring of virtue. Being virtuous because of being humble. So Nice. Well, right, thank anything else? No, thank you so much uh, for, for, for your support and for your prayers. Uh, please know that we are praying for you in, in your Lenten journey this season, and uh, we we pray that God's love and mercy will will, uh, will be present in your lives, especially on the glorious day of the resurrection when we celebrate Easter. Boom! So, stay tuned for the next episode. Hashtag Say Holy My Friends.